Welcome to What Do You Know About? My name is Ash, and I will be your tour guide through the lesser-known stories of history. You can join us on your favorite podcast app, or come have a conversation on our Instagram at WDKA Podcast. But first, hold on tight, because we're about to go down a historical rabbit hole with today's episode. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, lovely listeners. We are back. It's going to be a little bit of an odd schedule coming up. You may have noticed that there was no podcast last week. Exactly. Um, Yeah, we've got a little different life things happening. So we are going to be kind of figuring out a new schedule, figuring out how we can make this sustainable on ourselves, all that fun stuff. So yeah, please Mm -hmm. just bear with us. We'll try to keep everything figured out as much as possible yeah it'll probably be an episode every two weeks for the next little while at least and then we'll have to kind of figure it out from there exactly but today we're back with spooky season we've got cemeteries and we've got some weird burial traditions yeah so let's just maybe jump into it get right into our fun facts well, my whole script is actually just a bunch of fun facts this time. So okay, well, my fun fact is like, I've got three and we're going to like, that'll be my whole side of the script. Okay. Well, mine is kind of all fun facts as well, but because I'm not really fully talking about this side of cemeteries, I want to just quickly pop in that the Wadi al-Salam Cemetery in Iraq is actually the world's largest cemetery to date. It has been used since the 7th century and still accepts the dearly departed wow is it just like ever expanding or something like how do they host that so it does cover just over nine kilometers squared or 3.5 square meters of packed in mausoleums catacombs and crypts Oh, wow. It is thought to hold like half of its underground. Yeah. So it's thought to hold millions of bodies and it's one of the three major Islamic pilgrimage spots. Um, People from Uh. all over Iran and Iraq have chosen this spot to be buried in the middle of a holy city. And in recent years, that has expanded to include people from all over the world. Um, and then, but the, the site has also like seen a lot of damage from wars, especially the Iraq war from 2003 mm-hmm. to 2011. Aww. But yeah, like it is huge. And if you like, I'll put pictures of it up on the Instagram because it is gorgeous as well. Like it's just like a sea of concrete basically, <laughs> but yeah, so 
let's get into kind of a little bit of the history of cemeteries. And then I have two cemeteries that I'm talking about that have something in common with each other. That makes me very happy. (laughs) So we've all seen a cemetery at least once in our lives. It could be a family plot uh, at the family home that has been passed down for generations. It could be a random field with layers upon layers of tombstones, either standing up or laying down. Or it could be a gothic gated park that has horror story after horror story from those who have walked it in the dark with their hearts pounding straight out of their chests. Cemeteries have stoked people's imaginations for as long as we can remember. Most of us see them as sad places to rest our loved ones or scary places full of ghost stories and haunting memories. But cemeteries used to be very different from how we see them in today's society. Um, let's start at the very beginning with how the world, the word itself even came to be. Listeners and Kat will know just how much I love to share the, the etymology of words. So here we go. <laughs> there are multiple origins to the word cemetery, but the general consensus is that it was first derived from the ancient Greek word koimeterian, which means sleeping place. It, okay. It also has roots in the 12th century medieval Latin word for graveyard, comitarium, and the 14th century old French word, cimetière, which translates to place set aside for burial of the dead. So just like a mishmash of, of like a bunch of different languages, as per usual. Yeah. Um, this is just the basic first usage, um, as the English in the 15th century had like Four were other words for it as well. Right. Uh, But in the early days of cemetery use in England, burials were strictly under the jurisdiction of the church. Right. They weren't what we are used to seeing still, though. Rather than single graves per person, most bodies would be buried in mass graves that would sit until the bodies decomposed enough. They would then be dug up and the bones would be moved to ossuaries in the church walls or buried under the floors of the church. So they decompose the bodies and then just bury the bones? Yes. All right. I mean. I'm curious as to how long it took before they would do that because like you're doing it, you're building a mass grave. So where are they putting the bodies? How long are they holding onto the bodies? Like what are they considering as a mass grave? Is it like an open grave? Like, are they just like throwing a bunch of bodies in a hole? Or no, like, I think no, because they would be dug up get, again. Like, so like they would put in like so many bodies, I guess. Then yeah. put the group. Then put the gra- like your dirt back over it for it to let it simmer for like at least twenty four hours. <laughs> no longer than that. <laughs> well, yeah. But... Um, and then they would dig it up again to then remove the bones. Okay, that seems like a few extra steps. Like, Mm -hmm. why not just bury the whole body in the first place? I don't know. I have questions. All of this extra handling of, like, like, decomposing bodies, like, it kind of makes sense why there were, like, so many plagues and things, like... Well, that comes up. But first, um, for people who don't know... (laughs) An ossuary is basically a box that can be put in a wall or a larger box with other boxes. Right, okay. Um, It was literally a space saver, as these boxes are much smaller than a coffin. For example, there is a stone memorial to French soldiers in Turkey that holds many remains, but takes up about the same amount of room as like a regular coffin burial plot. 
that would be why they bury just the bones rather than the whole bodies. Okay, to save space. Okay, I kind of get that. Um, one of my favorite ossuaries is actually more or less a church of its own. The Sedlik ossuary is found underneath of a functional church in the Czech Republic and is literally decorated with the bones of approximately 40 to 70,000 skeletons. This includes the massive chandelier, which contains at least one of every bone found in the human body. Imagine being the guy who got turned into a chandelier. Well, like, multiple just, people like, are in the chandelier. Like, but like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it takes a whole new like, meaning to like Beauty in... and the Beast with like the living. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. But I mean, like, imagine like dying and being in the afterlife and then just like watching someone like take your body apart and like add candles to it. Like, I, the, wouldn't that feel weird? Like, I feel weird about that. I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. Like, well, obviously you think it's kind of cool. <laughs> like, that's exactly your vibe. But I don't know. I feel weird about that. Like, I'm cool with like organ donation and stuff like that. Like, I'm totally fine with that concept. But for some reason, the idea of my bones being rearranged makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Fun fact, the original Dungeons & Dragons movie trilogy from the early 2000s filmed inside of this ossuary. Fitting. Next year, we are getting a reboot of this series, which I'm excited for. And I wonder if they also decided to film in this ossuary. <laughs> because that'd be fun. <laughs> but back to our friendly cemeteries. Um, in these original cemeteries, uh, people of higher social significance were usually given a large, well-documented plaque inside the church to mark their burial spot. The next important people were buried closest to the church, then fanned outward in a strict order of importance. <laughs> Many of the older cemeteries that we can visit today still have this social status order. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, ranking your friends on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Like, a little bit. Yeah. So, I know that one of the cemeteries that I personally frequent with um, history tours definitely has this, as the people who were integral to the building of the city and gave the highest donations to the church are buried the closest to the church. Um, including, so, one of the, like, the guy who used to ring the bell for the church all the time, he's buried mm -hmm. in, like, a certain spot, just... Under like just so that he so like at a certain time of day his grave is right underneath of the um shadow of the bell tower like, of where the oh, bell is neat. because they're like well he's such a huge part of our church and stuff so he gets to be buried here. Oh, that's neat. I like that. Yeah. So, but then those who weren't of as great significance are buried farther away. And some don't even have headstones or their headstones are not well taken care of. Uh -huh. um, so, for example, there's a family that I researched where this is super evident, even inside the family itself. The parents and their youngest son, who died in his teens, have these beautiful headstones that are glossy and well taken care of. One of their daughters is buried further away from these headstones and doesn't have one, while the other daughter, who is one plot above her sister, has a blank, dull stone that is barely visible anymore as it's sunk into the earth. The only they way... the were, damn. Right? The only way to tell that it's their plots is by following the mapping of the cemetery and, like, watching as to, like, where the visible headstones are in order to solve this puzzle. 
there's like oh no there's even ones where like the concrete like like where they're like the ones that have like the concrete over top of like the full grave and like the concrete's mm-hmm. literally breaking so that there's actually like a hole that you can actually almost if you don't watch your step properly you can actually almost step into there that's okay new nightmare unlocked can you i no mm-mm, mm-mm. it's nope, actually i enjoy i enjoy walking this cemetery, but yeah <laughs> I do too, but I don't enjoy falling into this. Like only your foot, only your foot's going in, not the rest of you. I, like, you know, like you're not I, fully I, going I in. I don't, I don't, I don't trust that at all. If there, if it can crack enough for my foot to fall through, it can crack enough for me to fall through. I don't care. I don't trust that at all. I'm just saying, I I don't want to be walking down through a cemetery, through like a history tour or whatever, and then just like falling into someone's coffin. <laughs> No, thank you. I would rather not. (laughs) Yeah. So, in Europe, the population grew enormously in the early 1800s, and burials became outlawed. I'm... What? Like, you're not allowed to bury bodies at all anymore? So, the cemeteries were overflowing, and people were getting extremely ill from the various diseases that came from the poorly buried dead. Yeah. Um, Any kind of flood would literally wash layers of coffins and skeletons into the nearby neighborhoods. Bro, what? Okay. So one way that the government would deal with this problem was to exhume bodies and move them into catacombs, like the one in Paris that holds approximately 6 million people's skeletons. Good lord. Okay. Yeah. Soon, burials would also move to outside the city limits in order to keep the infections and overcrowding at bay. A lot of these burial grounds were then repurposed after being in use for a while by removing the headstones and turning the land into public parks or building infrastructure on top of them. Okay, that sounds like a great way to get haunted real fast, but all right, if that's what you want to do, I guess that's your business. Well, today, many homeowners who buy, like, new parcels of land have to watch yeah. carefully if they're going to, like, be digging or anything, as it's likely yeah. to find human remains, and then the plot would then be treated as a burial site with new rules put in place for the renovations. So there's, like, people who will be like, okay, we're just not going to dig here because it would then cause like months of delays because Mm. they have to basically figure that out and then it's either that you that they rebury it and you just can't dig there like you have to then move around the body yeah or they remove the or they excavate the body properly that do all the research to figure out who it is and then rebury them somewhere else yeah but like yeah like it's a huge like problem kind of ideal situation. that if you buy, yeah. that if you buy something and then, like, especially over in Europe, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, a big problem for homeowners that yeah, <laughs> they're like that. There's like a lot of people who are like, we're just not even going to renovate. That's one of those things that there's like, it's there's no way that they could have known the implications that their decision would like have for like forever future generations. Yeah. But, like, holy... Well, and, like, some cemeteries today still kind of do stuff like this because there's some cemeteries where if the grave has been there for a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. they watch and see if, like, if the grave has been, like, taken care of by family or if any flowers or anything come by, like, they watch and see, like, is there, like, a leg, basically. If there is, then they will dig up 
remove the headstone, either dig up or leave the body there and then just resell that plot and add or replace with somebody newer because they're like, there's nobody to mourn. We need space. We'll just... just throw out the headstone and just bury someone on top of the body that's already there, I'm not sure like, like I think so I think some will maybe dig it up or they will like dig up remove the, the coffin they... just put the bones down there or whatever like but then what did they do with the one that was there like what do they do with the body that was there before like if know. they dig up where does it go it has to go somewhere well, where it, does it would just it go? be the bones it would just be the bones by that point no matter what right. so they might just have bones in something else or i don't know but like they like there's cemeteries that will do that they will repurpose what? a grave because what they're like we don't have enough bones? room <laughs> do they turn them into chandeliers maybe oh lord can you imagine i feel like there would be some like like serious backlash if someone was just like probably not secretly. because um with like with like the bones and stuff you never know what kind of, like, diseases and stuff like that may mm. still be on the bones. So you have to be, right, like, super true. careful. So, like, they'd have to really clean the bones yeah. or whatever, right? But, like, you have to be, like, super careful when you're handling human bones. Because, um, mm. like, in my forensic anthropology class, like, we had to always wear gloves. Right. And stuff, right? Um, even though, like, the bones had been super clean because they were, like, the bodies had been donated for this purpose right um so they're super so. cleaned and stuff right but you still have to wear your gloves because you don't know yeah fair enough right um and then like as soon as we ha- would have any like we'd be working with the bones um there was no food allowed in the classroom so like if we so it was like a three-hour class okay. right so we'd have like an hour and a half a break an hour and a half ish um so like if we were working with the bones in the last half of the class we could eat and stuff beforehand because they would have already cleaned the tables well enough since the last class using the bones um but then we weren't allowed to eat or anything for the the rest of the class once the bones are out if we were eating if we were using the bones early in the class then we weren't allowed to eat basically like we had to go out of the classroom were recommended to that extremely wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. Even though we had gloves. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Like, as far as just, like, keeping things sterile and, like, protecting yourself. And also yeah. protecting the bones from being contaminated with something and then throwing off the entire study, right? So... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we were basically... We just... we uh, The bones we were used that each table would have, like, their own set of bones... Um, mm-hmm. that we used every class and we were learning how to look at the bones to see what kind of diseases might the person have had. Like, did they have any mm. spinal def- de- like deformations stuff and stuff, right? Learning how to age a person, gender a person, and ethnicity a person, like just using right. their bones only. Right. Kind of a thing. So, like, that was what we were mainly doing. And, like, so these bones were being used constantly for that. Like, we weren't really, like, doing anything like, to them other than, like... Them. Just using them to learn. Yeah, like, recon- like reconstruct the human skeleton on your tables. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so these rural cemeteries became a huge hotspot for the 1800s society. Rather than what we see today, these cemeteries were treated as public parks. Having a picnic at your loved one's grave was a popular weekend outing, and many would take long, leisurely strolls through the curated park paths. So the cemetery in my city that I just talked about like a little bit ago is actually laid out this way and still used as a popular walking path with like the local residents. The idea of having a meal with your loved ones was quite common in most European countries, but it was relatively new to the U.S., kind of a thing, right? Sadly, the practice got a little out of control in the USA, and it was banned due to the throngs of people and the amount of litter left behind after the meals. Yeah. Oh, come on. Like, yeah, that was such a nice thing. Why can't, like, get it together, people. Like, So this brought on a rise in public parks that did not involve the dead, leaving cemeteries Mm. to be almost forgotten by the most part. Many communities are now opening the cemeteries back up with respectful rules in place so that people can enjoy the historical sites and the park atmosphere. But cemeteries were not always idyllic places where one could break bread with their loved ones in the afterlife. Some cemeteries were the sites of riots and literal vampire hunts. That doesn't surprise me, like, at all. Like... I mean, we still do that kind of stuff today. Like, I'm not, like... (laughs) Yeah. I'm not surprised. We call it ghost hunts now, but still. So, yes, there are two very well-known incidences of these vampire hunts. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, one is very well-known, and one is actually not as well-known. So, the one in London, England is very well-known, and the one in Chicago, USA is not as well-known. And you'll kind of find out why in a second here. I sadly could not find an example of a vampire hunt in Canada, or I would be at that cemetery so freaking fast. <laughs> um, but we do have, like, um, vampire, like, there's been cemeteries recently found where people buried their loved ones as if they were vampires, like, so, like, with bricks in their mouths and stuff like that, like. I'm talking about that with the uh, strange burial practices. <laughs> Always, always vampires. Every episode, we need to have always some vampires. connection to a vampire. Vampires. All spooky season long, baby. Yep. So let's mm-hmm. talk about the vampire hunt at the Long Gone Cemetery in Lincoln Park, Chicago first. Okay. This cemetery actually got lost to time due to a few major events that happened in Chicago around the time that it was built. Burials started here in 1843 and stopped around 1866. City officials wanted to use the land for more park spaces, so many buried bodies were removed and taken to other cemeteries in the area. While this was being done, the Great Fire happened in 1871, destroying almost Mm. everything that was still in the cemetery at the time. Oh, no. Now there is only one mausoleum left standing slash visible um, of the cemetery that it used to be. The Couch Mausoleum. This was built for Ira Couch, who was a successful business hotel man. Like, he ran a pile of hotels in Chicago. No one knows for certain why it was left intact, but it is suspected that it was too costly to move it. 
Interesting. Okay. Nonetheless, the site became even more well-known in 1888 for having vampires running amok. (laughs) Why? Okay, wait, where did that come from? Like, I feel like it was like, okay, there's one mausoleum left. That makes sense. We just had this massive fire that destroyed everything. Sure. Like, how did it go from that to vampires so fast? So, during this time, as we've discussed a little bit before, beliefs in the supernatural were extremely high. A man named Albert Thelstrom was the justice of the peace in a local neighborhood, and he would entertain his fellow folks with tales of vampires, but presented as true life stories. Another local man stood up one night and claimed that his children were killed by spirits and a vampire had been haunting him for years. These stories were to sell a particular type of varnish that he produced himself and claimed would reveal other worldly spirits, especially the Lakeview Vampire, if it was rubbed on mirrors. So, I... (laughs) The dude said... That some vampire killed his kids. This Ooh. man definitely murdered spirits. his children. Spirits killed his children. He I, was being um, harassed and stalked by the vampire. Spirits killed his children and he's being stalked by a vampire. This man killed his children. Like, th- like he was investing. If he had kids to, if he had kids to begin with, this man definitely did it. Like, well, he was known in the community, so I... But I think his kids probably at this time also, they could have died from just like a f- like an influenza like that went through like. Fair enough. Right? Like the Which, 1800s version of COVID. <laughs> fair, but like I prefer my conspiracy theory a little bit better than they just got sick and died. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if he killed his own oh. children, they, they would have Pretty sure known. he killed his kids, yeah. Because he was kind of <laughs> in the house of the justice of the peace telling these stories. Like, fair, but also, like you said, everyone's hyper-super, like, superstitious. So, like, if there's any way to get away with killing your kids in the late 1800s, it's to say a ghost did it, like... Yeah, well, but he also wanted to sell his varnish that you could rub on a mirror, and then if you looked in the mirror, it would show you the spirits and the Lakeview vampire if they were nearby. So, basically, it just makes your your mirror cloudy so that you start (laughs) seeing things. Cool. Great product. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Also, like, even if he didn't kill his kids, like, exploiting the death of his children for profit is disgusting behavior. And we, that's zero out of 10. Like, yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, several people at these story times believed it and did purchase some of the varnish. Results oh, varied, and the interest in vampires did die down. Until. One Friday night, when a man named Clace Larson didn't return home, his wife waited up all night, fearing that the vampire got him. The next okay. day, the entire neighborhood was on the hunt, and a local group of children searched the old graveyard, certain that the vampire would have Larson held hostage inside the creepy mausoleum, and they called themselves and- the Vampire Hunter Group. That's the exact kind of stuff that I would try to get away with as a kid. Like, that's absolutely... If the whole town's, like, looking for a missing person and we have to be involved, we're definitely vampire hunters now. Like, well, the wife did also tell the whole town that she believed that the vampire got her husband, so... Well, okay, like... The wife enough, started it, like, the kids just took on. To, like, <laughs> to, 
to like team up with your friends and be like, we're the vampire hunters. Like it's like, <laughs> that's kind of cute. Like I want like a Nancy Drew style, like, like a series of chapter books for kids written based off of these kids. I think that's adorable. So on the Sunday of that weekend, um, Larson's wife then reported him missing to the police and the vampire rage rekindled. Until Larson gave his wife a heart attack and caused her to faint by returning home suddenly that evening. So he was out with his mistress. She was like, vampire got him. And then he was like, shit, I've been drunk all day. So he, he returned home from a weekend binge drinking, unaware of the panic that he incited. No mistress. There was no mistress. He was just out binge drinking. I believe that. And got himself a little, uh, just t- uh-huh. like, too out of it he all weekend. And did got hammered, yeah. And was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't... <laughs> Bro got hammered. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know that I was inciting a whole vampire panic. I was close, okay? I was close. Mistress or no, I was close. <laughs> yes, you were very close. So, while it was exciting for the people of Lakeview, it wasn't nearly as exciting as a tale of a tale as the Highgate Vampire in London. Okay. Do you have any guesses of when the Highgate Vampire Panic was? By the fact that you're asking me, I'm going to assume it's more recent than I suspect that it was. So, I'm going to say 1930s. No? When? It was actually around the same time as last week's episode. Yes, that is right. North America had the satanic panic, while England had a vampire panic. The 80s? Well, like that's so much more recent well, than I not, thought. So like a little bit earlier, it's so like a more at the start of the ridiculous. Yeah. So like 70s. I thought the 60s like that was my first thought, but I thought that would be ridiculous. Like there's no way there's a vampire panic in the 60s, but like the 70s? Yeah. So, on Halloween night of 1968, a group of teenagers visited a different cemetery that was also a public park and vandalized it with occult-based graffiti. They also disturbed one of the graves, piercing through the coffin into the body's breast with an iron stake made in the shape of a cross. That's not... Okay. Fast forward a year and a half into early 1970, and a man by the name of David Ferrant wrote into a local newspaper about his experience in late 1968, where he passed Highgate Cemetery and saw a gray figure he swears is based in the supernatural. In this article, he asked if anyone else had seen it. Multiple people wrote in about a variety of ghosts that they had seen in the cemetery and the lane next to it, including a ghost riding a bicycle, some a few female ghosts. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a couple of child ghosts as well, but like a variety so more of ghosts. Than just the one guy. Not just, yeah. Interesting. One man named Sean Manchester claimed that the the gray figure that Ferret had seen was none other than a vampire. The media latched right on as they tend to do, embellishing the story to add the fact that this was a vampire king who practiced dark magic from his home inside the cemetery. Wow, guy got a promotion real fast, went from vampire to vampire king. Yep. And very good with dark magic, apparently. Alrighty. So both men who claimed to see the so-called 
called Vampire, stoked the media attention as they began a rivalry on who would find the specter and banish it back to where it came from. So were they all just like, hi, or like, what? <laughs> How did... Okay. It's kind sure. of like... All right. It's kind of like today's... Where it's like, oh, hey, I can use social media to become famous. They're like, hey, look, we can just use this and become famous. Just just completely riding off the hype. Like, yeah. So (sighs) Manchester's first move was to announce that he would be holding a seance on Friday, March 13th, 1970. I don't know that a seance will get you a vampire, but it will get you possessed. So, like, well, have and they fun, cho- I guess. And, like, they somehow chose, like, the Friday, like, they chose, like, the right timing that they could do it on a Friday the 13th of that year. Oh like, <laughs> that, like, that's gotta be, like, that has to be on purpose. Some, like, I how- think so. I think that they, <sighs> I think that they literally looked at a calendar so and were like, lucky. when can we soak this vampire thing? Oh, hey, look, there's a Friday the 13th coming up. Let's do it for this Friday, for this time. Like, uh, yeah, like, it's like one part luck that there was a Friday the 13th near enough that it made sense. And one part just like, guys, come on, please. <laughs> So ITV um, did a series of interviews with all those involved, and it aired earlier that evening. Within two hours, a massive mob of so-called vampire hunters from all over London swarmed the cemetery. Police were there to try to calm the mob, but they climbed the locked gates and went over the walls in order to get in so they could be the one to stake the Vampire King. Bro, when there's, like, hundreds of other people there, you're not going to be the one. Your odds are too low. Like, that's... There's no way. Yeah. Like, and I just... And also, I love that it's just, like, a group of random people who are like, Vampire King? Yeah, I could take that. Like, the confidence... The audacity. So bodies and graves continued to be tampered with over the next few months, with both original vampire whistleblowers being charged with minor infractions for their own involvement. The grounds of the cemetery are absolutely stunning, with the gothic designs Mm -hmm. to the mausoleums and tombstones, as well as being a wonderful nature reserve that's run by a local charity organization. There are hundreds to thousands of British, of famous British people buried at this cemetery, including Karl Marx, Abraham D. Bartlett, who's known for selling the elephant Jumbo to P.T. Barnum, Adam Worth, a criminal mastermind who is thought to be the inspiration for Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes, Douglas Adams, who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and George Eliot, whose real name was Mary Ann Cross and wrote major, like, novel works under her male pseudonym. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, like very few people compared to the actual, like, full-on lists as to who's yeah, buried between the two different ones. But I'm like, these are the ones that I'm like, I think most of us will kind of know and are interesting. I'm like... Because when I saw Abraham D. Bartlett, I'm like, who the heck is this? I'm like, oh, you sold Jumbo to P.T. Barnum. And now you're considered a celebrity. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because of this vampire craze, only the dead 
their loved ones mm-hmm. attending the m- memorial or those willing to do like to pay to do a guided or self-guided tour are admitted on the grounds. Right. They are honestly the most beautiful grounds I've ever seen, to the point that I am working on basing a small cemetery in the Disney Dreamlight Valley game after the greenery and gorgeous willow trees with the mossy older tombstones. Oh my god. (laughs) Of course you are. I knew you were building a cemetery. I didn't know it was based on a real one. That's so cool. Yeah. No, this is like, I freaking adore this cemetery. Like, I will be paying to do one of these tours. (laughs) Because... It is so gorgeous, and I just want to go wander it. I will be posting mm-hmm. photos um, to the <laughs> like um, onto the Instagram page, um, or you can also follow the link to the official cemetery website um, because like it's just fucking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all I got for you about cemeteries for this episode. Um, we haven't got to mix in a little bit of vampire folklore. There are so many cemeteries that I could talk about, but since we're in spooky season, I kind of wanted to focus it down on ones that are apparently haunted by vampires. Of course. There's, like, so many, including, like, the one that was recently found. Like, there's a lot of cemeteries that are apparently, they had vampire hunts happen in them. Um, Even Lafayette's cemetery namesake is apparently haunted by a vampire from Transylvania. (laughs) <laughs> like not even just a vampire but like the most stereotypical vampire yeah <laughs> yeah like vampire king is at least a little creative like it's not just a vampire it's a vampire king it's not just any vampire like he's from like, hotel transylvania <laughs> like 90 percent of vampires <laughs> yeah so as I said, I will have I'll have links to find out more about like other haunted vampire haunted cemeteries, as well as uh, the top ten um, of like the world's largest cemeteries. Um, but my main takeaway is that cemeteries are not scary places unless you make them out to be. They are places yeah. for quiet reflection and even great places to learn about some of the common people in history. Next time you have the chance, I do suggest taking the time to walk through one of the older cemeteries near you or even, like, on your next trip. Find a gravestone Mm -hmm. that speaks to you and do some research on the person and their family. Like, you never know what you might find. True. Yeah. There are a lot of, like, interesting people. And we've talked about this before, that history kind of just, like, forgot because they didn't do anything, like, revolutionary. But their stories are still important, just like yours, just like mine. Exactly. Um, Like, with the family that I researched before... Like, mm-hmm. they had such tragedy, but then one of their kids who did survive, um, they became the our province's first prenatal nurse. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a I couple like kids who died of severe illnesses. The son accidentally killed himself with a gun when he was trying to put it away because they had vermin problems on their farm. The other one died in this in our local psychiatric hospital at the time but they Mm -hmm. did have one who became like the first prenatal nurse in beast like in our province and literally was saving lives where she was hopping on planes to our northern tip to save a baby's life like (laughs) and that's important and that's the kind of stuff that you're never gonna read in a history book that you're never gonna find from those history pages on instagram or tiktok or wherever like those those are the little stories that are 
that I really enjoy hearing. Yeah. Um, and are so well, much And it gives you both sides. Like, it gives you the tragedy and the good. Mm-hmm. Most of the and time, success, you're yeah. going to read about one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like, life comes with both. Exactly. But, yeah, now that we've All talked right. about the cemeteries, let's find out some weird ways that people get into the cemeteries. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I started this script looking for like weird funeral like tradi- like traditions in the sense of things that like happened and that happened like relatively commonly and I ended up like my first example like is that um but I found two other examples that are much more just like cultural pra- practices that I found really intriguing so yeah. this is like I'm kind of rebranding it a little bit it's not so much weird funeral traditions as it is like non-north american funeral tradition makes sense so right so just kind of um like alternative funeral traditions i guess okay like from my perspective so the first one uh fits in the weird category though yay because this is my vampire one (laughs) So I was 
Yeah, this is what I was expecting to find when I was looking into this, and I was hoping for more stories like this. Um, in northern Poland, the body of a 17th century woman was found buried with a scythe positioned over her neck and a padlock attached to her toe, and this happened only just recently. Yeah. Um, we don't know very much about her yet, but we know she was buried in a silk scarf, which implies a higher status. We know that she died in a time where paranoia around the supernatural was rampant as well, um, which, you know, is a good chunk of European history, but whatever. Um, the the scythe positioned over her, uh, is positioned over her neck so that if she tried to sit up, her head would be cut off or at least damaged, and the padlock was supposed to keep her from leaving. This would have been placed after she died. This method may be unusual, but it was common for precautions like this to be included in the burial of people who are suspected by the community to come back as undead. Hmm. As Ashley mentioned, kind of like the, the brick um, in the mouth thing. So other methods included, but are not limited to, bodies being cut in half down the middle, the head being sliced off, stakes pinning down the corpse, legs broken or cut off, burying the body face down somehow would stop them from getting up. I don't totally understand that one. Um, cremation or crushing the body with a stone. So with this woman, the scythe is actually kind of the tame option. Like, at least they didn't mutilate her body. Well, I know and that you can also do... Probably the, because of her status. They do like the brick in the mouth. There'd be one that's mm -hmm. been found with, like, garlic around mm -hmm. their necks or whatever. And um, cages of, like, a metal that are around their chest, basically. Yeah. Or you can still so see, like, the... Like, yeah, as you said, like, the stake through the, the heart stake. and stuff. Yeah. Right? I'm like, the poor person. Like, what if they were not actually dead? Like, you know, like, how many times did you hear about the ones <laughs> where it's, like, that they're afraid mm -hmm. that they're going to be buried alive? <laughs> That's okay. So fun, like, okay, maybe this is my fun fact. So um, there, there was a thing uh, in cemeteries. They used to have bells. Yeah, that would be yeah. So there would be a string going from inside the coffin to up above ground, and with like a little bell attached, so that if a person was accidentally buried alive, then they could ring the bell, and the groundskeeper would come and dig them up and like free them. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, Duncan Sheik who wrote Spring Awakening. He did, like, a mini musical that you can get, like, the soundtrack for. And one of the characters is a guy who is afraid of being buried alive. And so mm -hmm. he always had a bell around him or something. Um, yeah. And he and he basically, he, like, he would, like, almost cry wolf kind of a thing mm -hmm. because he was so paranoid and then he actually did end up being buried alive by accident oh, no. and he was ringing the bell and nobody came for him because oh, no. of his issues because he would always go on about it i feel like i would be like more careful to check on someone if they were telling me that they were completely afraid of being buried alive like i'd be like I don't know. It's a, it's a, such a good one. Like, I definitely recommend it. I'll make sure to try to put that in the show notes, too, because it is just an amazing <laughs> soundtrack that I'm just like, wow. But yeah, like, that was like a whole thing. Like, a whole song is about this guy. <laughs> just, like, getting buried alive and just getting stuck. That's yep. horrifying. Uh, so, okay. So, this begs the question. So, um, yeah. 
So she was buried with the precaution. The precaution was kind of like a tame option considering what it could have been. Um, she's probably a lady of status, so that's probably why. Uh, so why did they think that she'd be in debt? Uh, so there's a couple theories for her specifically. One was that she had been accused of being a vampire. Um, like we said, paranoia around that was pretty big in Europe at the time, so it's possible. Uh, she also had what historians described as a large protruding tooth, which, wow, can't even escape like criticism and body shaming and death if that is what happened. She wasn't a vampire. She was Winifred Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> She's a witch. That's why she's coming back from the dead, because she's a witch. Yep. Not a vampire. Sorry? Not a vampire. They had the wrong <laughs> supernatural. <laughs> they had... Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and, like, you can see it from the skull. Like, But, like, I, I, I'm curious about, like, how visible it would have been with, like, flesh on her face. But, you know. So, in this case, this woman... uh like, if, if it was the case that she was accused of being a vampire, um, this woman can kind of serve as a warning that status wouldn't have saved you if you were accused. Like, it didn't matter how high up you were. If you were accused of being a vampire, you're still at risk. Yeah. Um, it also brings up the point that women were accused or suspected of being involved in the paranormal at a higher rate than men. Think of the witch hunts. And there's a whole discussion about the patriarchy to be had here. Otherwise, she could have been... Um, thought to be a revenant which is not necessarily a vampire but just like a more general undead person a vaguer concept not quite zombie not quite vampire but just someone back from the dead okay um they were usually thought to be people who either lived violently died violently or just weren't buried in the right way uh in this case that implies that she either you know lived or died violently um rather than, like, the, the burial option. Uh, Professor Marin Rady, who's studying her, suggests that it could have been something as simple as dying violently by falling off a cart, which is a pretty big range of options. Yeah, that counts as a violent death because you're dying by a violent injury. I mean, then how many other people were buried this way? Because I'm pretty sure falling so off many. of a cart would be fairly common. <sighs> So many, so many. A common option, like the padlock around the toe was not unusual. Um, so, like, like so many. Like, this is why we find so many bodies with, like, cages and, you know, all the things that we talked about before. Is because, yeah, like, uh, like, so many people. Anyone who died by, like, essentially injury yeah. in that case could be thought to come back, not necessarily as a vampire, but as a revenant. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a pretty big range of options to go from vampire to fell off a cart. Um, but that's kind of all that we have about her so far. Uh, she is being studied by a team of historians in Poland, so maybe we'll hear more about her in the future. Hopefully, because I would like to know more. Hopefully. <laughs> she hasn't been totally identified yet either, so she's very much a mystery woman. I would like to, like, be part of that investigation team. Please and thank you. If anybody from that Poland. investigation team is like hopefully listening to this podcast, I volunteer to help. <laughs> I volunteer to tribute. Um, so yeah, so that's the kind of thing I was thinking of when I picked this topic, uh, that, that specific story especially. Um, but I found some really interesting cultural burial practices as well. And I like alternative burial options. 
Um, so I decided to go a little off script and talk about those because they are fascinating to me. Sounds good. I narrowed it down to two that I personally found particularly interesting. Okay. So the first one is the Tibetan sky burials or bird burials. All right. Uh, so the majority of Tibet is Buddhist and they believe that after death, the soul has left the body and the corpse is like after a period of time, just an empty leftover shell essentially. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever seen Tibet or like pictures of Tibet or anything, but there is a lot of mountains and a lot of cold. Yeah. And that makes burying and cremating bodies really, really difficult. So as a result of this whole combination of these things and probably a handful of other things as well, they developed the practice of sky or bird burials. The corpse, remember, empty shell, not a person anymore. This is going to sound gruesome, but keep that in the back of your head as contacts, right? Um, so the corpse would be wrapped in white cloths and frayed over for days or weeks kept in a corner of the house where the family was expected to go about their days peacefully in order to ensure a peaceful passing into the afterlife. So once the soul had time to pass and the body was, you know, empty shell state, the body was brought to a temple on the mountain and the flesh was separated from the bones and cut into pieces while the bones were crushed by a few workers who were kind of like trades level workers, if that makes sense. Like they're yeah. kind of like, yeah, it was just, it, it was their job. The flesh was left to be eaten by vultures and the bones were meant to go back into the earth. That's why they were crushed. So that they would like get reabsorbed into the earth. Um, it was considered an, was, is considered an honorable, generous and humble way to dispose of your body after you'd left it as you're feeding the vultures, as well as any birds that came along after the vultures left. You're giving back to nature by providing nutrients and preventing other small animals from being eaten by the bigger birds. Because, you know, they're they're full of you, so they don't need to go hunting for mice. Um, so while it looks gruesome, like, in, and it very much does, it very much does look gruesome without context. Um, but what you're left with is, like, actually kind of a really wholesome practice. Yeah, it's kind of like the tree, like, like the newer kind of way where you can be like decomposed and you can become like a tree or whatever. It's almost kind yeah. of like an idea of that. But like when you said a sky burial at first, I was like thinking of like a balloon that like gets like sunned up into the air. And I'm like, that would be a, like, it's like what comes up, it goes, what goes up it must come down. <laughs> that would be a very yeah. odd thing to wake up in the morning to or like to have fall on you from the sky. Like this ain't Dorothy's house, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you just end up in wonderland somehow but like, that um, makes more sense that, as to what you said is i'm like uh yeah. what are they doing <laughs> like, i said sky, okay no here's the horrific thing i said sky burial and then assumed that they were just throwing people off of cliffs like that's like well because then as you're saying that like the, their, their flesh is take and then their bones ground down I'm like okay maybe it's like that then like almost like when people have like the ashes of somebody and then they blow it out over like from like, the mountaintop or something I'm like that yeah. sounds normal like that sounds right, right. but then like yeah like, that, no it's they're they like what the you describe like what you describe doesn't sound like a sky death to me like bird I understand because they're that's eating you big, but <laughs> yeah that's basically it, that's kind of roughly how it translates is sky burials because the birds are eating you and then going up into the sky I guess like gotcha. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. So I think this, like, I actually got quite endeared by this. I actually think it's a really wholesome way to go. Like, yeah. It's like obviously quite graphic, but um, yeah. But this is a private event. Uh, only people who personally know the deceased watch the process. And it's used as a time to teach the younger people about the reality of death. That it isn't something to be feared. It's just a natural transition. Um, it was pretty expensive. So those who couldn't afford the whole ceremony would just lay their deceased loved ones out on a high platform dedicated to that. And more or less the same process would happen, but it would be more kind of like just just the birds. Um, so yeah. uh, we don't know exactly how old this practice is, but we know it's hundreds of years old, probably thousands. Uh, but the earliest record that we have of it is a 12th century Buddhist tre uh, treat treat treatise 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 treaty like treaty no not like treaty it's like T R E A T I S E treatise then I think treatise treatise Kate learns how to pronounce words today isn't um, that every episode well yeah like I love you <laughs> but that's like every episode. <laughs> it i just don't know how to say it okay um yeah 12th century buddhist treatise yes uh known in the west as the tibetan book of the dead there's been some speculation about this book and the validity of this book and but but the description of the practices are like have carried through to what we've seen in more recent history um Tibet did have to make some laws like it still exists. You can like if you're a Tibetan citizen, you can still do this. But uh, they did have to make some laws kind of adding structure to kind of like the parameters about how you're allowed to go about this, where you're allowed to do this, who's allowed to do this, things like that to kind of keep it safe. Um, yeah, so there's been kind of more regulations around it in that way, but it does still happen. So yeah, lastly, the one that I wanted to talk about um, is a little bit more local to us, uh, where, like, it's, yeah, North American, but not European North American. So it's um, a practice that we see in the Haida Nation. Uh, so that is um, for people that don't live near us and don't know where kind of we're talking about in the world, uh, like West Coast North America, um, like right along the coast. I don't know exactly how far it extends to down in the states but i know it's like uh kind of a good chunk of the coast in bc yeah um and the islands so yeah they had a variety of funeral practices that we see commonly practiced around the world cremation burial of remains burying treasured items with remains from what i could find it looks like they varied a bit depending on where or who you are from and it didn't look like they liked going into detail about it. Like it was kind of like sacred. It's not necessarily information that the entire world needs to know. So this is like a really brief overview. Um, and that's kind of like the more private uh, side of it. Yeah. So, yeah. And which area or who you're from by that, I mean, like which area or like kinship group. Um but I really like how they honored their leaders. That's kind of the more public facing side of it, right? So when a chief or otherwise like high ranking person passes away, like, you know, your VIPs, um, an artist will carve them a mortuary totem pole with a cavity inside. The remains of the person are placed inside a box, which is then put inside the totem pole. 
So for example, Chief Skidan's mortuary pole in Stanley Park in Vancouver. Uh, it was originally raised there around 1870 and it had a cavity at the top of the totem pole where the remains were placed and then covered with a board to protect them from the elements. The pole stood for nearly 100 years before a Haida artist had to carve a new one in 1964 to take its place. There's still a memorial plaque with an image of the original pole and information about the imagery you see on the pole. At the top is the moon, the chief's crest, then a mountain goat, then a grizzly bear with two tiny figures in its ears, symbolizing Chief Skidan's daughter and son-in-law who stood up the original totem pole. Uh, below the grizzly bear is a whale at the base of the pole. And I just think this is really like, really interesting and really beautiful. Like I, I knew that totem poles were like, um, like a sacred thing, like, you know, yeah. again, practices vary between groups and stuff but generally speaking I knew that they were like a sacred thing and that there was like a spiritual element to it so I think that like taking your leader like you know spiritual and you know all kinds of leaders and kind of honoring them in this way was just like really impactful like you take this thing that's like already like so meaningful to your group and then you make them one with it and I really really like that yeah no and it's it's kind of interesting because it's very much like an indigenous form of like an ossuary yeah right that I'm like it's kind of interesting how they've already been doing stuff like that and then so have your, your European Caucasian people like for like a very long time that this is like that is a is it interesting like cross um how like how like people from around the world can develop fairly similar practices yeah yeah before they've even had any way of connecting yeah yeah i think it comes kind of from like the whole world has always dealt with the base problem of what do we do with people after they die right yeah so there's a finite like there's a lot of options there's very, very many options and they're going to be different depending on where you are and what your circumstances are. And like, you know, are you seafaring? Does a water burial make the most sense? You know, and to that, the sky burials make a lot of sense. Like, yeah. um, there's a lot of different things that will play into like what sort of develops as a practice, but there's only so many like options at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So well, it like, makes sense that people would come to the same conclusions. Yeah, because I'm like, we can't, like, we can't really do the whole totem ossuary kind of a thing because that would be insensitive, right? But well, it's, it's yeah. such an interesting <laughs> idea of a burial that I'm like, that is super. I think it's vindicative yeah, of their culture. Mm. Yeah. Like and and it and this is like for like high ranking people as well. So it's like to be honored enough to be buried in this way yeah. is like is really really special. So yeah, yeah. So these are yeah, and so these you know totem poles they they last for like a long ass time. Like they they are for anyone who doesn't know I like I feel like this is one of those things where it's like common knowledge here but then I forget that we have like listeners from around the world who might not 
no. Um, but totem poles are based out of, or like they're not based, like they're carved directly out of like logs of like cedar, I think I saw was the most, like that's the one I kept seeing. Um, but again, obviously, depending on where in North America you are, like yeah. it's carved out of giant trees, right? So it's all just one log that they're carving all of these figures out of. So um, like eventually it's gonna like it's wood and it's being exposed to the elements so like eventually it's gonna have to come down and be replaced um that you know the one that i talked about that it stayed up for nearly a hundred years feels very impressive to me i don't know how long they usually last before they need to be replaced but um like clearly the longevity is like a good long time maybe not quite as much as cement but like yeah like that's still a substantial legacy no, totally. Like, that's really neat. I did want to ask, because of, like, what we're talking about today, mm. um, have you thought about what kind of burial and stuff that, like, especially because now that we've been researching cemeteries mm-hmm. and burial traditions, like, have you thought about, like, what kind of burial you would want? Yes, I have probably a little bit too much, but, like... Hey, same like- here, so... I think it's no, but genuinely, I think it's really important. If you if there is a, a type of burial that you want, then you like you need to talk about it. Like you have to tell your loved ones because if they don't know, that's not the kind of burial you're gonna get. Like, um, well, especially I'm, like our I'm, age when it's like we don't have wills that we can put it in, <laughs> right? But like we could and we should. And Ben and I have talked about like getting our wills together for like a long time, <laughs> but. We just have never gotten around to it, but we really, really need to. Um, I like the idea of green burials. They're uh, getting more and more um, common. Yeah. Uh, I They got a little bit trendy, not like that long ago, where basically um, you're buried in some kind of compostable material, whether it's like a like a compostable box, like not one of these, these fat. Okay. So these fancy coffins or like caskets cost thousands of dollars. They're varnished and stained and like, you know, they're meant to stay in one piece for a long, long time. There's padding on the inside. There's like metal decorations. Like they are like they're and, and you're just burying it. Right. So your family ends up spending thousands and thousands of dollars on this big fancy casket that's not going to dissolve back to the earth. And you're just you're just burying it like no one's going to see it after like a day. I have never fully like understood that because I've always thought that like I'm dead at that point. I'm not in that body. I don't need it to be cushioned. Yeah. like I'm, I can't feel whether it's soft or whether it's hard or like. It's all know, that doesn't. It's all for the living. Sense. Like that's the only it's, thing. It's, it's all, all for the, the living. living. But then it's also not though, because it's it's all for the tradition. Because the living, like the people who have to front that cost, are going like going to debt over like funerals. Yeah, like that's surprisingly common in North America. Is that like they're so expensive? I don't like. I don't ever want like. You know, assuming Ben is still around, right? When I pass away, I don't know which one of us is going to die first. It's a race. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, 
<laughs> no, um, but like, you know, Ben and I have talked about like, well, if you die first, if I die first, like, how do you want to go? How do I want to go? Um, and like, we've talked about like, I, the last thing that I want is for him to go into debt to bury me. I feel like that's nonsensical. Like it doesn't cost that much to give someone, I just want like a simple, sweet memorial service kind of thing. Um, and then like, I don't want anything elaborate. I don't want anything crazy fancy. Like even like our, like, and this is very on brand for me. Like even our wedding was not that like crazy elaborate or fancy or anything. It was like very DIY. Um, it could have been so, yeah. Um, so like, I just, I want, I want just like a simple, biodegradable like I'm okay with it being a box I don't like I feel weird about being buried in a bag like some people are cool with that it's fine for them but like just like a simple unvarnished box yeah buried into that right um none of this like preservatives getting pushed through my veins or anything like that don't want any of that um because that is just for viewing right right yeah that's for open casket viewing that's to keep the body preserved long enough for the friends and family to see but that like those chemicals go back into the earth when you decompose right so I don't want that um simple box just just me I'm like okay with organ donation um and I want to be buried in a whatever cemetery will allow me to have a willow tree planted over my grave um because I'm dramatic as hell and they're gorgeous uh, they are kind of symbolic to me of like childhood memories that were innocent and fun and adventurous. Um, and it would be so much more meaningful t- to me to have a tree kind of like representative of who I am. Like it brings life back into death. Yeah. And I really like that. Um, and it's, it, it feels so much more like alive and warm than like a a concrete or a cement tablet over my grave right like maybe like a plaque or something so you know what the tree is for and you don't just willingly like cut it down someday but like um but I like a, a headstone has always felt always felt so cold and distant and a tree feels so much more like comforting to me yeah like I've always felt very at peace in nature, right? So to bring that element into it for me makes a lot of sense. Um, so when I saw that they were starting to get like trendier and stuff, like first of all, I was like, "You're allowed to do that. You have control over how you're buried." Which, like, yes, obviously you do. But like, you know, we all have to come to a point where we realize this about various things. Yeah. No, there's a um, newer cemetery right beside, like one of like the super historic cemeteries and Mm -hmm. they have like it's like all like a nature kind of a thing so you can pick like um like what type of tree do you want or do you want a beehive or do you want like or like and like you can say like okay I want flowers that to be planted that are Mm -hmm. um like ones that butterflies and bees and whatever are more attracted to and stuff like that which I'm like like, that is nice that's really sweet. I like that a lot. But yeah, that's, yeah. 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 I know that cremation is significantly cheaper than like, um, like the whole open casket, like yeah. funeral, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Casket coffin situation. 
the yeah. traditional cask coffin situation. Um, I like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This cremation doesn't seem like such a good fit for me because, like, it's it's getting burned down into nothing, and then like you can spread the ashes of the people that you love, but like you're really, really not supposed to. It's like super illegal because it's kind of the equivalent of just hiding a body somewhere, but like <laughs> you can. Yeah. Um, and that can be really meaningful for some people. And that's like totally fine. I don't have anything against that. Um, personally, besides the illegal hiding a body thing, but <laughs> my, um, uh, family friend of ours when her husband died he got cremated Mm -hmm. and she kept his ashes in a closet Mm -hmm. where when she would be angry with him then she could just give him a good kick and then she'd be okay (laughs) which is like i can't yell at you anymore therefore oh okay oh i'm like that Uh, sounds like you (laughs) oh oh no yeah no like i i don't I, I wouldn't want to end up being like a decoration on someone's mantle though, you know, like, no. and again, like if that's what makes sense to you and your loved ones, then like nothing against anyone else choosing that for themselves. But for me personally, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want, I want like something with a little bit more impact than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I went even cheaper with my burial plan. Mm-hmm. That's yours. Just so, like, dig a hole somewhere and bury you straight into the earth. No, um, I want my body to be donated to a body farm where they okay. do like the where they take like already naturally dead people. <laughs> um, and I like put, how you emphasize that they don't kill people. Just to be on the safe side. Um, <laughs> and, so, and then they put them into, like, various... Like, they put, like, the bodies into various situations. Um, mm-hmm. Like, one situation per body kind of a thing. Um, and so, right, in order to see how does a body decompose? How does this affect this, right? Um, how long would the body last for kind of a thing in, like, this situation um, with this type of burial or whatever, right, Um, in order to help figure out things for criminal investigations and stuff like that. Um, If I could, I would love to be able to donate, like, have some of my organs be donated because then I'm actually, then I can kind of like a double version of helping the living, where it's like, okay, I can Mm -hmm. help you live, and then I can also help you with some closure, hopefully right right um but like my main thing is that i'm like it'd only be if the body farm would allow the or like organs we donate i'm like in a way i would really like to be able to help with that closure and i'm like we're never going like people aren't going to stop killing other people unfortunately i do not see that happening it'd be but it'd be nice if we could have quicker closure even like some of like the cold cases with more closure like the idea of like Mm -hmm. hh holmes and how he could have um buried a pile of the bodies where he put them in concrete and then dumped them into um the river right where it's like it'd be nice to know okay how long would those bodies have been like could we dig like could we get the concrete in order to find the bodies still Mm -hmm. to actually have an idea of how many people he actually killed to know okay this is how many he killed this is how he probably did it we can now use that information for future crimes yeah. and stuff, right? Like, so I'm like, I don't think that the crimes are going to stop, but 
being able to solve the crimes quicker may help the mm. crimes to be less um like less of a body count and to be able to give quicker closure to families that it's not like that the family pretty much dies off before they can get yeah. any closure yeah fewer murders happen if you catch the serial killer at, at kill number two rather than kill number 10 i exactly. get you yeah but mainly for me for like the closure of the families right yeah um that it's quicker to figure it out or even like quicker to be able to be like, okay, here's the possible places that this body could be and stuff, right? That then you can at least find the body rather than families who don't ever find the body. Oh, yeah. Right? Like. Sorry, I got distracted because I'm looking at like green brew costs in the city that I'm moving to now. <laughs> Just like out of curiosity, I found two cemeteries that do green burial. Is the cost and... of burial also different than the cost of, like, with the cost of living? <laughs> like, is it also cheaper to be buried than, as like, the same way it's cheaper to live? There's, like, a whole PDF. Hang on. No, I'm too far down this rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, it's, like, thousands of dollars cheaper. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm you pretty much free unless they, unless they charge you your shipping fees. <laughs> Shipping fees? <laughs> well, it can't be cheap to ship a body. I'm not even... I don't think we have a burial farm in Canada. I think I'd have to go down to the States. I know that there's one in Texas. I'm curious about that, actually. Wait, I'm, I'm sure there's something like that in Canada, though. Oh, nope. There's a body farm in Quebec. That anyway, opened in... Of course it's in Quebec. <laughs> it opened in 2020. Spring of 2020. All right, that's a good term. Well, conveniently timed for our recipe. It's the, the first body farm in Canada. Wow. Because they're particularly interested in understanding what happens when a body is in sub-zero temperatures, when there's a lot of snow on the ground and how that freeze, and then the thaw process might actually change the rate of decomposition. Because most facilities are in like the really warm climates. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, why the heck did we not think of this like earlier? Like... <laughs> Well, some of that we just know from the people who keep dying up on Mount Everest, thinking that they're mountaineers and going up unexperienced. Yep. Um, there's a YouTube show that I really enjoy, and they do they, they do a series where it's like food of history, and so they mm-hmm. were doing like here's what um, could have been eaten. Like, well, sorry, they they had the actual menus and stuff, right? But it was like here's what uh, was they didn't do the actual. Um, first Everest climb, they did, mm-hmm. these are the foods that were um, made for, like, the pre-Everest climbs, because this is what didn't work for going, for actually doing Everest. Okay. Um, kind of a thing. So it's like, this is what could have been the first meal yeah. on the top of Everest. Um, and one of the, and one of the people on the show, they, they do, like, a character from that time frame, so they did a, a Yeti character and the yeti was okay. like where they're like yeah this is how many people have died on everest i can account for 80 of them by accident <laughs> that was basically like i just wanted to be friends and then they accidentally went flying off the mountain in fear of me <laughs> and what happened what a what a weird coincidence that this keeps happening <laughs> and so right where i'm just like that is freaking hilarious oh no that's funny mm-hmm. yeah so yeah 
that cemeteries and burial traditions. Yeah. And now everybody knows what we want, so they can help fight for it if our families decide not to do it. If you're listening to this and you know us personally, this is the thing. This is the statement. This is our our will and testament. I will ensure that all legal people have a copy of this so they know. You know what we want now, though. And if you don't do it, we'll haunt you. We'll come back from the dead and we'll spook up your kitchens and throw all your books around and whisper creepy things in the middle of the night. My family knows that this is what I want because I've told them multiple times that this is what they're doing. (laughs) Fair enough. But now they know that there's a place in Quebec that you can send me to. You don't have to ship me down to the States. You don't have to ship me across Australia, New Zealand. A little bit bit less expensive shipping fees. Exactly. Hey, if you want to, you can deliver me personally. (laughs) Have a nice trip in Quebec. (laughs) Have a road trip with a casket in the back. It's like rent a, what are they called? Uh, rent a hearse. Rent a hearse and just go on a family road trip. I mean, so it's like the queen had. Like the happen. queen had a whole friggin' like little road trip through England for hers. Why can't I have one across Canada? I haven't been across, I haven't done a road trip across Canada. <laughs> it's like a bucket list, but like after you've died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, these are super important conversations to have though. And like, it's never too early to start talking about them because you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. And you can change your mind. when As new technologies yeah. and stuff come up, you can change your mind. Because I might have to add in that I want to be, co- be part of an ossuary chandelier after you've done all of your experiments on my body. <laughs> Actually wants to be made into a chandelier, confirmed. Yeah, after <laughs> after the body farm experiments, then you can turn after me into a chandelier. When they're, done with your, when they're done with your bones from the body farm, yeah, yeah then a chandelier. Even if, if they want, even if they want a chandelier like at chandelier. the body farm. I mean, I could be a chandelier at the body farm. That's okay. <laughs> chandelier at the body farm, Ashley. Oh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, we will definitely make sure to let you guys all know when our next episode is going to be. Um, mm. Probably, maybe we'll try to do one for Halloween still. That would be fun if we can get it done on time. I don't know <laughs> we'll give it a go um we'll try if not then probably the week after halloween yeah but yeah we'll definitely let you guys know and yeah have a good one everyone how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you found something new and will check out the resources in the show notes to get more information. In the meantime, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so more history nerds can find me. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page at WDYKA Podcast, as well as considering helping me out with a donation or membership on Buy Me a Coffee. The link is in the show notes and on our IG link tree. Thanks so much and see you next time on the lesser known side of history.